This podcast is listener supported. To help us out, go to our Patreon page at patreon.com slash Rant. The following podcast may contain language not suitable for younger audiences. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome, my friends, to the Show Never Ends. This is the Red Bull Ram Podcast, the Red Bull Podcast of SB Nation and Once a Metro. I'm your host, Jason Ipico. I'm Pat McDonald. I'm Truman. New York is red, and this is episode 149. It's good to be the king. So good. New York is most definitely red. Blood red. Red. So, uh, yeah, that was a... Uh, a, a very exciting four days, huh? Sure was. It was a oh, yeah. uh, a, a nanny, I believe they call it. Oh yeah, nanny. So, for those of you f- who somehow were like living under a rock for all this, <laughs> one, I, I want to know where your rock is because it's I can use because gratific- I can use a gratification home. <laughs> Two, why were you living under a rock for these games? First, the Red Bulls traveled to play their first ever soccer game at Yankee Stadium. Which looks like crap. Because <laughs> it's a baseball stadium. Oof. Oh. Yep. And they came out and gave up a goal in the first 15 minutes because that's apparently what we do now. <laughs> but, my God, that second half, three unanswered goals. Could have probably been five easy. If it wasn't, if it wasn't for the, the goddamn posts a few times. <laughs> um, leave Yankee Stadium quiet except for the traveling 1,600-plus supporters in the South Ward who were clearly visible on TV. Ah, so sweet. 3-1 win. The third rail just completely demoralized, apparently. Oh, yeah. They were sad. They were sad. (laughs) 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 And then uh, to follow that up, on Wednesday, in the U.S. Open Cup against the New York Cosmos, who happened to beat uh, NYCFC in the previous round, uh... It was 2-2, but they won in penalty kicks. And the Red Bulls became the first team in 2015 to beat the Cosmos in regulation. Uh, they didn't come back from that game, did they? No coming back to the Cosmos. Nope. And what, what was that score? 4-1. to 4-1. Could have been 25-1. to 25-1. Probably could have been the way we were going. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, exciting four days for the Red Bulls. Indeed. And, so and, much to talk and, about. And you guys, you guys were actually at Yankee Stadium for that. Yes, we were. We were. So uh, let, let's deviate from normal a little bit here. Because okay. uh, I, I don't think we're going to find too much to dislike about these two games. So let's go with, uh, let's start with Sunday. What was it for you guys being at Yankee Stadium? Who do you want to go first here? There's just so much. There's a ton to talk about. Oh yeah, you go first. You're already talking, Truman. All right. Well, uh, for me, I did the went to Legends, met up with everybody there, met up with most of the ESC people, and uh, well, let me just tell you the whole the whole story about going there because there really is a lot to talk about. Uh, we meet right at Legends, and which was really cool because the Pride Parade was going on uh, right at the end of the block, so I got to catch a little bit of that. It was very hard to see because there's so many people. Um, but it was very cool. Like everybody just kind of intermingling anywhere from there, all the Red Bulls fans outside. And we finally organized, marched 
from Legends past the garden to the train station. And the first train, we walk in there, the first train was already full. You couldn't get in it. I mean, they, it was just a sea of red squeezed, squeezed into a Twinkie. That's pretty much what it was. Uh, so we waited for the next train. Next train, uh, just before that shows up, there's about, about eight of us still waiting. All the GSU guys finally showed up. So we all crowded into one car, and it was like one crazy, raucous car. We were singing, going crazy, banging the, banging the walls. Uh, the, the norm, the norms people, the normals, uh, they were getting in on the fun. <laughs> like they were smiling, laughing, and there's a few people that were scared, but most of them were really having a blast. Uh, yeah, and then we got, we got to the stadium. Everyone kind of met on the other side of, uh, it was in that park across the street. Everyone marched in together. It was awesome. Uh, hats off to Yankee Stadium for security because we did get in pretty quickly, which was nice. I know there's a lot of horror stories, but they let us in very early and it was really easy to get through security. Went up to our section. We had relaxed, ate, uh, and then watched the nice throw ass kicking. Oh, it, yeah. it was, uh, it was fun. Yeah. Uh, I, uh, I just, Bought tickets in the, in with the general crowd. Uh, my, um, you know, pregame, I went to Yankees Bar and Grill, which is actually the, uh, home bar of Hearts of Oak supporters group for NYCSC. Uh, I saw a Rebel fan standing outside and I was just like, uh, does this mean it's safe? And he was like, yeah, man, it's cool. They're all right. And, and they were, I mean, other than for the first five minutes where they literally were screaming within two inches of my ear, go back to New Jersey. Uh, you know, where I was like, okay, I don't think I'm going to stay here long. It, that ended. They eventually tired out and, uh, it was pretty, they were, you know, the guys were pretty nice from Hearts of Oak. Um, you know, the bartender gave me and my friend, uh, free shots for dealing with the, uh, screaming in our ears, which was pretty cool. Um, so, I mean, we had a good time there. Uh, the funny, the funniest aspect of that pregame was the NYCFC fans who came up to me and almost apologized for being NYCFC fans. Like, <laughs> Like they were like, oh man, I, I, I'm, it's you know, I wanted, to, I wanted to be a Rebel fan, but I, I live in Queens, or I tried to go, but I live in Westchester County. I'm like, it's cool, man. Don't worry, you, you don't have to, you know. Yeah, I get it. I, you know, it's, it's, you know, I'm from New Jersey. I wouldn't go to the, I wouldn't make the Bronx my primary, uh, you know, destination for soccer. So, um, so that was pretty funny. Uh, stadium, uh, you know, I was in a section with mostly blue, uh, some. Uh, about six or seven other Red Bull fans. Um, again, the, the, yeah, the, the other fans in the section were laughing at my quips, which, uh, you know, hey, that's how I get in. I make people laugh, I guess. <laughs> uh, and, uh, but, you know, my big complaint, obviously, Yankee Stadium. I mean, you know, if, if it wasn't for the foul pole that was right in front of me and blocked just an hour, there was, there was one pass I remember the Red Bulls made on the other end, uh, in the first half. And I'm like, who is he passing to? And then I just see the body come out from behind the foul ball pole. And I'm like, oh, okay. So I guess that makes sense. Um, so that, that, that would be my big complaint. I mean, I, I personally, yeah, they were talking about it on soccer morning or best soccer show. I forget which, uh, which one, but, um, like how long can NYCFC maintain this rabid fandom if, for as long as they stay in Yankee Stadium? Uh, I'm not sure they can because it's not the best place to watch a game. That being said, to watch an MLS game of 48,000 other people, even if most of them were for the other team, uh, it was a pretty awesome experience. Um, so, and then to get to go home, uh, with the heads, you know, head held high and, uh, you know, high five another Red Bull fans uh, as they came around that, and then having a little NYCSC kid tell me I sucked. Um, <laughs> that, that was, was funny. That, that was, was really, 
Yeah. So uh, that was a uh, that was pretty uh, pretty fun pretty fun day and yeah. uh, and the subway ride home was fun too, right? Right, Truman? Yeah. You know what? Ha- you're gonna have to remind me what happened on that train. What happened? We, uh, ah. There was some guy who was from Brazil. And he came on, <laughs> came on the train. Uh, what was his name? Didn't he? He scored a goal with his face. I think he did. Uh, he did. Felipe. That's it. Felipe. That's, it. that's right. He oh. was on the train with the car we were on. Yeah. <laughs> and we got our pictures with them. And, yeah. And uh, he said that face goal was totally lucky. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and totally nice guy. I mean, like, he came on the train and was, like, smiling right at us. It's like he wasn't trying to hide or anything. He was just like, he was like, yes, give me your adulation. We were like, <laughs> and we, we are winners. We obliged. <laughs> All right, you guys can't see us right now, but I have a middle finger up right at the. <laughs> <laughs> hey, whatever, you're the one who wants them benched. <laughs> it does, just because I wanted them benched doesn't mean it's not, wouldn't it be cool to meet him. <laughs> Two different things, jackass. So uh yeah, that was uh I, I wish I could have been there for that. Um It was I'll tell you what, you know l- like Pat said, for it being in a baseball stadium or whatever, it was really probably my, my favorite away game experience because most of other away games are just you take a bus or you drive to wherever they're playing. You know, we tail like the Philly game we tailgate a little bit. But still, it's really just driving down, parking in a parking lot, waiting for the game going in together. This was a completely different experience. Mm-hmm. And the one that honestly can't be matched in the rest of the league until uh, the other L.A. team plays. Like, yeah. this is it. It's very, very unique. And even then, it may not be because they share a stadium. I don't think like they're sharing a stadium. I don't think they're sharing it. I think they're getting their own. That's well, the plan. But anyway, I, I wish I could have went. I mean, it for me, it would have been... A, a hall because it's like a, for me it's a two hour drive just to get the Red Bull Arena and there's no way I'm driving into Yankee or driving into New York City to, for that game and uh, tip off, tip to the Red Bulls drive in earlier next time don't don't yeah. <laughs> don't, don't let the team bus show up an hour late to the game because you got stuck on the GW bridge <laughs> they didn't know what traffic's like apparently <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah it would have been like two hours plus whatever public transit time to get into New York uh, not to the Bronx and aside from whatever other crap I had going on like that's just something that just doesn't work for me like th- there's Amtrak by me and I could take that up but that would be like $100 easy going one way and I was like fuck that why am I paying $100 fucking dollars on Amtrak when I could drive for ch- less than that right right and so I, it's not even any quicker like for me to go from where I live to uh, Newark Penn Station on Amtrak is like two hours same amount of driving time it takes for me to get there that's like, uh, granted, I wouldn't be driving. Someone had that stress, but it's like, why am I paying you for the same thing I could do for the same amount of time for cheaper? Right. Hey. Amtrak is the height of luxury. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I, I want, I want Amtrak to do well, but you got to bring the price down. Just, <laughs> anyway, um, so I, I was sitting at home watching the game, uh, a little upset after the first goal and got, Probably like notching it up to about a, a five as the half ended, even though they were playing well towards the end of the half. Just seeing all those crosses go into the box to nobody just eventually wears you down. <laughs> but then, thankfully, somebody with a, with three initials that we all know and love finally got back on the score sheet. 
and all was right with the world. <laughs> and it was just all downhill for the blue team right after that. Yep, it was. Yeah. All right, so let's move on to the game against the Cosmos. Uh, that game was Wednesday um, in the U.S. Open Cup. Like we said, it was a 4-1 victory. Red Bulls opened the scoring early, gave up a goal inside of 20 minutes. It was 1-1. And, and then uh, – and, and and I know, Pat, you just told me about me wanting to bench Felipe – and here's why. Sasha Kleschian served a corner kick that resulted in a goal. How many corner kicks has Felipe served that resulted in a goal? Well, saying that maybe he doesn't need to be benched, but maybe that just needs to be Sasha's job from here on out. Uh, yeah, I'm, yeah, I mean, uh, well, I, I personally, I think Felipe could use a, a spell. I, maybe, maybe it's like, uh, it's hard to say this, but um, I'm trying to think of the right way to say it. I, I think he might have been playing too much. Like, Squad rotation, while it's been decent for certain players, hasn't been. And I think Felipe is one of those people that's been suffering. And he might just be. And I think he, personally, I think he's in a little bit of a confidence slump at the moment. Like, and this is not necessarily going to be a popular opinion, but maybe if well, not now because you can't afford it now since Duval got hurt. But um, maybe if you if you had the players, send them down for to USL for a game or two just to let them beat up on some. Worst opposition and get some confidence back. Well, I don't think they'll ever do that, but you could always give him some yeah. time off. He's been playing a lot. Oh, yeah. yeah. A lot. Well, he'll probably get, well, he's not going to get time off on Saturday because he didn't start on Wednesday, but. Right. Um, <laughs> that actually leads to, we'll, we'll talk about that later, but, um, so with, with the win against the Cosmos, the Red Bulls advance into the Open Cup to the quarterfinals, which they will host. Uh, that match is supposed to be July 21st, 22nd which happens to be around the same time as the International Champions Cup match with Chelsea. Uh, I think it's been rumored the match will be moved to the 15th, so a week earlier, but apparently that interferes with the Philadelphia Union friendly. So I have no idea what's going on. Um, wait we'll see and about see. that. Wait and see. That's all it is. Yep. So predictions. Um, so two things. One, I don't have updated rankings still. Well, and you know. and then two... I forgot to ask the guys at Once Metro to predict the NYC FC match. Uh, and so I think, in fairness, that we should not count our predictions for NYC FC since they did not get the chance to. Pat, can you call my lawyer? Okay. Can yeah, you call, right. can you call Veda Scott? Yeah. Attorney at law? Alright. Now, if, if I'm not mistaken, I mean, mistake, out again. I am not mistaken though. I was the only one that predicted the win on this show last week. Pat, can you hang up that call to the Veda Scott attorney at law? Yeah, yeah, sure. No problem. Okay, thank, thank okay. you. All right. Yeah, see, it's okay when I affect, when I affect <laughs> myself. Listen, I need to hold the, the invisible belt until I get the real one, all right? Well, yes. I, I, I didn't get the score right, but I know I got wins. Uh, I forget what you guys predicted because I don't have it written down. Draws. Draws. Yeah. One, one. Well, it wasn't a win. That's all I remember, so. Yeah, true. Um, yeah, so predictions are whatever they were at the end of last week. We don't know because I have not did this goddamn chart. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I am a bad host, apparently, of certain things. So, so are we even going to do likes and dislikes? I, I mean, I is have there, is, I, is there anything you wanted to talk about that you dislike? I mean, yes, there's yes. something oh, okay. big that I know Pat's going to talk about. So, Pat, okay. say it. All right, go ahead. Chris Duval's injury. He's out for three to four months. Yeah, that is right. I, I thought your rage would be higher. Yeah, I mean, well, you know, here's the thing. You know, normally you would think it would be higher for U.S. Open Cup, but what have I always said? 
that the, for this tournament to be taken seriously, what needs to happen? It needs to be televised, and people need to show up. 11,000, it's not great, but for it is the highest attendance they've had for um, an Open Cup match. It didn't look terrible on TV. Um, there, it even I'm actually kind of surprised it's as low as 11,000 based on what we saw on television. Uh, so, you know, normally I would be high, I would be angrier. Um, but you know, the, the, the two things I've always been harping on, uh, they happen. So of course now we're in a bind, especially until Kamar Lawrence and Roy Miller get back, because right now you're looking at a starting back line with Connor Lade and Anthony Wallace on the wings. Um, and that definitely doesn't instill me with confidence. That's for sure. Uh, I, I think someone here might have a suggestion for you, by the way. Oh, yeah. Sean McClaws. <laughs> yeah, there you go. He's awesome on the field. Boom. <laughs> it's time for the McClaws. You know what? Hey, I would love that. I mean, if, if we could put Laid on the left and McClaws on the right, I am okay with that or vice versa. Just uh, the less Anthony Wallace, the better. That's for sure. Because uh, his, only, his only game this season was... Definitely not pretty. So, uh, yeah, let's, uh, and then, uh, Empire Soccer wrote today, Dave Martinez wrote that how, uh, Will Packwood, who has, uh, made a few appearances for the U.S. national team, he's apparently trialing with the team, has apparently played some right back. Um, he'd be nice. He's been, he's been trialing for, I think a week or two now. So, yeah. it'd be a nice pickup. And, uh, I, and on a piece of news, um, Carl Met was released last Friday. Um, coincidentally, it was announced, I think, either during or after a team autograph session. So that's kind of some bad, some bad juju, but, uh, it, it was, it was an obvious Friday night news dump that wasn't meant to get a lot of attention. So, um, yeah. but so we have a roster, at least one roster spot open. So, I mean, signing Packwood's, Packwood is not necessarily out of the cards. Yeah. The question is, what, um, mechanism do we use to acquire him? Because magic. Because we, we haven't spun the wheel yet. We don't know what it's going to land on. The fifty p. So. The fifty p. Oh, oh yeah. Wait, wait, hold, hold, hold. We only have the fourth or the or the third or even the second in place for that matter. So, right, but this fifty p. It's it's super super secret, so people don't yeah. even know it exists. So exactly. you can still use the other one. See, that's how it works. Yep. Okay. Is that wait? Is are you sure that's not such a question? Who we bought down? From a DP no, salary? No, no, no. no, that's the um, stash DP. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Don't, don't you just kind of hope one day Don Grabber gets drunk and just like creates a new piece? Like, yeah, it's the magic player. Ha! It's the quiet of magic. You mean yeah. you mean he wasn't drunk with the envelopes last year? <laughs> I think he's, he's. I mean, what the new core player rule? I think he's always drunk. I don't even know what the hell the core player rule is yet. I, no, I, nobody it, does. Don't worry. Nobody. It's it has a label, but no uh, no definition. That doesn't, that doesn't surprise me. Yeah. The, the whole DP of a certain level doesn't have a true definition. So yeah. <laughs> now, now that LA wants another player, they have to add a new player slot. So. Right. Amazing. Yeah. Hey, let me let me touch really quick on my on my few dislikes before we move on because there's only a couple. Uh, dislike from the blue game. Uh, if you weren't there at the game, that field is is worse in person. Much, much worse. It looks awful. It's patchwork on one side. It's really, I mean, it's size from the size. You have to look at it and it looks awful. Really, really horrible. Uh, so yeah, I just want to say that. And then the other thing I want to say is 
Thank goodness that Matt Miazga's goof in the Cosmos game where the Cosmos scored their only goal uh, certainly didn't cost them any more than just giving up one goal. Yeah. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't necessarily call that a goof, though. I mean, and it was just, you know, it's just, it's just, you know, it's a little oopsie. It was, it was a, it was trying to make a good I, play. I think it's, it's more bad luck. I mean, he's moving right. backwards, trying to defend a two on one. Right. He does, what, yeah. he does what he has to do. It's just, unfortunately, a cosmic play was right there. Right. Now, and, uh, get it out in the open cup and. Right. Exactly. Let it, let it happen. Now get back to normal against Columbus. And, and it didn't affect the team because we still destroyed them. Right. Um, yeah. and then if we want to do quick, a quick like before we move on, cause I know this is going to be a long, huge episode. Uh, why don't we all pick our favorite goal from the past two games? What is what is your uh, favorite goal scored? I'll go first. Okay. The the, the first one in the Cosmos match, uh, Lloyd Sands back on the field, beautiful cross from the wing instead of him cutting inside, and Sal Zizzo putting it back and kissing it off the post. Uh, I think I'm gonna actually have to go with uh, Chris Duvall's against New York City FC. I mean, he just you know one time that bad boy. Right into the back of the net, and it was a uh, you know good heads up play by Abong to sh- to know uh, that he wasn't getting the shot on and to dump it off to Duvall. So I'm gonna have to go with that uh, the second goal against NYCFC. But there are a lot and, of nice ones, that's for sure. Yeah, and since I I don't want to repeat Jay's because that that really kind of was my favorite, but it was tied with my other one, and that was uh, Grella completely flim flamming a defender oh, yeah. till I think his I think both that guy's ankles snapped in half. <laughs> And he now walks backwards uh, to put it in the net because that, that was absolutely beautiful. I was thinking about choosing that one, so good for choosing that one. There you go. Yeah. I mean, it really was a plethora of just absolutely gorgeous goals. Oh, yeah. All right. I, now I have one quick question, and this is absolutely the last question. <laughs> no, one more question. Big show. Big show. All right. Well, it's a better, big better, show. better goal celebration. BWP just staring the camera down or Matt Miazga's home run swing? Oh, Miazga by far. Oh, yeah. Come on. You're rubbing it right in their face. Yeah, but Felipe I, didn't pitch the ball to him. Felipe decided to hit his home run. Well, you know, they're taking batting practice, I guess. Well, I don't know what's going well, on there. We, that's, we that's can actually point. tell you Felipe was proud of that. He came onto the train. You're like, did you see our celebration? Like, I'm sure yeah, he, he loved it. Yeah. You know, you know, just real quick, you know what that reminds me of? Um, it was two years ago against L.A. Um, it was actually, I think, the game that Pat and I were at where we went down – to the uh, the good seats and got told to move by a fan that showed up in the 75th minute. But uh, when Tim Cahill scored off of a Janino free kick, Janino runs over and kicks the flag instead of letting Cahill punch it. That might be one of my all-time favorites because when you watch it, all you hear is him yelling, ah! <laughs> <laughs> it was, that was pretty awesome. I just remember uh. that because of the, the stealing of the celebration, that's all. <laughs> all right. Um... So with that, we are now officially going to take a break because we have to do this. So, um, Why not? When we come back, we're going to have on with us from uh, Fox Soccer covering the Women's World Cup, Mr. Lexi Lala. So we'll be back with more Red Bull Rant right after this. Welcome back to the Red Bull Rant. Uh, we want to welcome back onto the show. I think it's been like two or three years since we've had him on. It, it seems to be now uh, our thing, bringing back guests from the past. Um, <laughs> he is currently uh, stationed in Vancouver with uh, Fox Sports covering the Women's World Cup. 
Uh, I don't remember how much you guys are covering the Gold Cup, but uh, joining us uh, today via phone from Vancouver, Mr. Alexi Lawless. Uh, Alexi, welcome back to the show. Gentlemen, pleasure to be back. You know, uh, once every couple of years, if probably that's the right amount of dosage uh, that you can take of me. So that's what we'll stick with. That. There you go. Beautiful, beautiful. So, so let's just talk. Let's just talk about the women. Why, why, why wait? Yeah. Let's just jump into it. Uh, you believe? I believe. I mean, a lot of people picked Germany to win that game. Understandably. How? <laughs> I mean, I mean, it's you know, how could you not? They were so good in this tournament. What do you think was the key factor to them actually winning this game? Well, I think it was uh, a little bit out of necessity. I mean, obviously you had a couple of uh, uh, of yellow cards um, uh, and some changes that had to be made early on uh, in the tournament or you know in the uh, in the round of sixteen. Um, and you know, Jill Ellis out of necessity had to kind of juggle stuff around because let's be honest, up until the Germany game, this this team hadn't really given us a whole lot of hope that it had what it takes to go through a team like Germany. And the change of formation, uh, uh, Morgan Bryant coming into that more defensive role, I mean, we always knew there were problems in the midfield, and we always knew we didn't quite have a, uh, a tandem up top that was working. And uh, just out of necessity, like I said, Jill Ellis had to change. And let me tell you something, she got it absolutely perfect uh, against Germany in terms of the personnel, in terms of the formation and the tactics, and it worked to a T. They passed with flying colors. Like you said, I, along with others, I didn't think they were going to get past Germany. Germany looked too good, and the way that they came out, the way that they bossed the midfield, um, the way they finished their chances, okay, you get a little bit, a little bit of luck here and there with a missed penalty and um, you know, uh, Julie Johnson not getting a red card, but okay, that happens even to the best teams in the world and absolutely deserved uh, the win. And uh, I was I was never happier to be wrong. And now we go to the final against uh, Japan. So uh, it's been 16 years. Sometimes people forget, and I know a lot of people are coming to this tournament just because it's the U.S. and and not necessarily that they're totally into women's soccer or soccer at all. But anytime we get a chance in the U.S. to cheer for our country, even if it's through soccer, uh, they're going to be people. And we saw that last summer, and we're seeing it again this summer. So it's been it's been a really interesting tournament for me. It's my first women's World Cup. Uh, I've learned a tremendous amount and uh, had a blast doing it. It's been really fun. I'm, I'm I'm really glad that I did it. I'm really proud of the work that we've done too. The PK call for the U.S. to get them on the board. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously it's very very controversial, but can the Germans even use that as an excuse to losing this game? Not really. I mean, we saw another one yesterday in the Japan game. It's this this thing where a, a, a foul occurs outside the box, but the momentum takes you in. And to the letter of the law, that shouldn't be a foul unless it's actually holding. In which case. Uh, that's the one case uh, where where it can apply, uh, but it just happens so fast. I'm not I'm not really bothered by those. Now the Julie Johnson one, they definitely have uh, a case that it should be a red card, and it was dog so, and it should be a red card a hundred times. That's not even a question in my mind. Um, the one on the on the line on whether Alex Morgan was over the line or not, or whether yesterday the player for uh, Japan was over the line. Yeah, we can go back and look at it, and we can see that there's evidence that it happened before. But those ones happen so fast, and nobody really complains in the moment um, that I'm not really worried about about those ones. The other one, maybe they have a gripe. But really, when you look at it in, in, in totality, the way the U.S. played against Germany, Germany didn't have a lot of chances. It's not as if they were pounding the U.S. Uh, once again, that defense that has been absolutely stellar. Um, you know, I, Before the game against Germany, I had said that Julie Johnson was my MVP. Uh, I might have to amend that now and say that Becky Sauberman, because I'm sorry, Julia, I, I love I love you and you've been wonderful, but uh, you make a big mistake like that and 
luckily for the U.S. and for you, you didn't get dinged for it. But in my MVP power rankings or whatever, I think that Becky uh, has now gone uh, above uh, Julie Johnson. So, But regardless, I mean, that back four has been wonderful. And Hope Solo hasn't had to do a whole lot, let's be honest. Now, Germany's penalty kick missed. I mean, they had not missed a PK throughout the World Cup uh, up to that point. Ever. Whatever. Yeah, ever missed a penalty ever. kick in Germany yeah. ever in their history. Yeah. <laughs> what happened? Was that all just Hope Solo getting in, in, uh, in their head, or what happened there? Well, I mean, as I said, Hope Solo hasn't had a lot to do, and Hope Solo uh, is there to save this team. She's the best goalkeeper in the world, and that's why you put up with all the, the baggage and the drama that, that, bring, that, you bring, that Hope Solo brings with her, because she's going to make that save. And while she didn't make that save, and, and to be honest, uh, she actually dove the opposite direction. So she didn't make the save, and she didn't even dive in the direction. But the way that she stalled, and yes, she risked a yellow card, and probably to the letter of the law, it should have been on sports and white conduct and what she did. But she, if, if in any way she planted a seed in Celia Sausage's head that helped in that moment for Sausage to miss the, the, uh, the goal, then it was absolutely worth it and good for Hope Solo. These are the little things. Little things matter, I said the other day, in, in the World Cup. Everything matters in the World Cup. And if she did that um, and it played a part, then that was as good as a save as far as I'm concerned. Uh, one, one of the controversies coming into this World Cup was um, the, the playing surface, you know, something that you don't hear about in the World Cups yeah. for the most part. Um, obviously, all of the stadiums in Canada are using the artificial turf. They're not using natural grass. So this is the first, uh, w- not even just Women's World Cup, but any World Cup that's using um, an artificial surface. Um what are your thoughts, especially as a former player, on the fact that these women are playing on turf? Um, you know, Abby Wambach said it affected her game. Uh, we haven't really seen sure. too much, I think, in terms of injuries, but what do you think this has meant for the tournament? Uh, it would really surprise me if going forward uh, they, they did it again. Um, it's an absolute disgrace, and it's a shame, uh, and absolutely there was no way that the men would uh, stand for it, and it's a double standard uh, in, in every, uh, you know, by any stretch of the imagination. So, um, and that's, and that I think everybody understood that. Uh, having said that, everybody went along and did what they needed to do. It was the same for everybody. I know Abby complained about it, and, uh, you know, I took her to task for that. Uh, but it does change the game. It does change the way that you that you go about it, but it's the same, it's the same for everybody. And I think the, the players and the teams that were able to adapt and the U S plays a lot of their games in terms of, uh, professionally, uh, on the uh, synthetic, uh, surface, they, they figured it out, but it should never be. And, uh, I know that they've had youth world cups where, where it has been implemented, but it changes the game. And, uh, and, and for me, from a spectator point of view, uh, yeah, you want to see it on grass. And, um, you know, I, I don't think that they will do it again. And they can talk to the fact that Canada was the only one that bid on it, and I get it. There's some realities to the situation, and there's some economic realities that, that we have to uh, at least respect. But come on, man. FIFA, FIFA can figure this out. They got, they got plenty of money to do it, and if they had wanted to have it on grass, it could have been done. Amen. <laughs> Amen. So uh, this Sunday, the U.S. takes on Japan in a rematch of both the Olympics and the previous World Cup. Uh, what are the what does the U.S. women have to do to uh, win this match? Well, I think they have to continue on the trajectory that they have uh, been on here. They've it's been a slow burn, and uh, obviously the last game against Germany was a real you know in, in terms of the the tournament a watershed moment because 
They beat a team. Uh, first off, it was pretty much the biggest and the best competition that they faced in this tournament. Um, I, I don't think anybody would argue that. Number one team in the world, a team that was playing and functioning on you know, all cylinders. And they came out and uh, they soundly beat them. Uh, so that's important to use that to their advantage as they go forward. Now they go to a final where they're playing, in my estimation, a team that is not as good as it was four years ago in Japan. And this team, in some ways, may be better, especially the way that they are feeling it and the confidence they have coming into this game. So, um, look, they, they let the one slip away four years ago. And, yes, it was a choke. And, yes, it was a failure. And it's okay to say that. Uh, and they recognize that more than anyone. But now they have the opportunity again. And it's been 16 years. There shouldn't be any excuses. I expect them to go out to beat uh, Japan, and you should expect them to go out and beat Japan because the U.S. is a better team. That doesn't always work out like that, but certainly the ability, the, the talent that they have out there, um, you know, I'm, I'm picking uh, the United States to beat Japan. Go ahead, Pat. You have a question. I thought you just said have Jay do it. I don't know. You. You. Your question. Sorry about that. Yeah, sorry about that. I know, know, gentlemen, gentlemen, I know sometimes when I speak, it's just so mesmerizing. Listen, this is not the first time this has happened to me. There's no need to apologize. We can just go on. That awkward silence is something that I am used to because people just sit there and go, man, oh, man, what did I just experience? I know it was words, but there was something... There was something emotional, and, and I'm reacting in a way that, that, that makes me not even be able to form words. It's okay. All right, it's continuing like a, on. It's like a Disney ride. Uh, it was amazing. Yep. <laughs> yep. But uh, actually, uh, last uh, Women's World Cup question before we move on, uh, Laura Bassett, sure. uh, you know, had such a heartbreaking own goal there, uh, ended up uh, knocking out England uh, from the World Cup. Uh, how do you, how as a team do you rally around a player like that, and how as a player do you even come back from something so devastating? Well, as a team, of course, you rally around. You put your arm around her, and, and uh, as a teammate, as a friend, as a person, as a human being, uh, you make uh, in this case, uh, you know, her understand that this. First off, and I said it on air yesterday, this is a play that every center back has had to deal with throughout uh, a career, and it sucks because that ball comes around the back of the defense. You're running towards your goal. And you know you can't let it go through because it's going to go right to the attacker. And so you've got to make a play on it. And it, this has happened numerous times in the past. It's happened to all of us. Has it happened in that type of moment? Uh, this was pretty epic, and this was pretty historic. And the reality is that the World Cup uh, can make you into a star, and it can also uh, you know, create uh, memories that are both positive and good. And she's going to remember this, and she's going to be remembered for this for a long time. It shouldn't define her, and we're going to see what she's all about going forward, not just on the soccer field, I and mean, I think she'll figure it out on the soccer field, but also off the soccer field. And in a certain way, if she, if she embraces it and owns it and, and almost makes fun of it, I think that that's one way of coping. But she's going to be thinking about this for, uh, for a long time. But it also brought up something you know, in the way that this incredible sympathy um, was amassed around the world for this, for this woman in this moment. Uh, on how you know how I go about looking at women's soccer, and look, I know you guys and, and, and myself, you know, we come from the men's game and we watch a lot of men's soccer. And I certainly, this, like I said, this is my first women's World Cup. And I think we, when you go in to watch women's soccer, you can't be going in and watching it with this compare and contrast with the men's game. I, if you want to enjoy it, because I, I think it, while it's the same game, it's a different, it's a different um, entity, and. I think the, the more that you're able to do that, you're more, the quicker you're able to do that, the more you will enjoy it. And 
this sympathy, uh, I, I think it was wonderful to see. Would, have, would it have happened in the men's game? Absolutely not. But that doesn't mean that uh, the, the men's game is any more uh, or less legitimate. Uh, the, the, the men's game doesn't get to define what is legitimate when it comes to sports. And so I think it was good to see this outpouring of emotion and sympathy um, and maybe we could use more of it in the men's game, but I doubt we'll, we'll, ever, we'll ever see it. There, there are different types of responses to what happens in the men's game as opposed to the women's game, but it doesn't mean that you can't enjoy and appreciate both of them uh, separately. So uh, that's actually kind of a good transition because uh, two days after uh, the Women's World Cup Finals starts the uh, 2015 CONCACAF Gold Cup with uh, the United States kicking off action on uh, July 7th, um, my question kind of is, you know, the United States won this in 2013, and with mm-hmm. the the new Confederation Cup bid process where it's the, the 2013 and 2015 winner take on each other, uh, how important do you think it is for the United States to uh, come out on top of this and not have to worry about that kind of a playing game for the Confederations Cup? Well, this, this summer of soccer continues, like you said, and you'll be able to see the Gold Cup, and we're really excited uh, to put it out on, on Fox. And so I go right from the finals here this weekend back to L.A., and we start right in the studio on Tuesday, like you said, starting July, uh, July 7th with this Gold Cup. And it's going to be very interesting because um, there is pressure on a lot of teams, including Mexico, because of this Confederations Cup uh, carrot. And we know that the U.S. being the defending champs, uh, if they win it, then they go automatically. If, they, if somebody else besides the U.S. Win it, wins it, then they go into this, uh, this one-game um, uh, showdown with the winner going to the 2017 Confederations Cup in Russia. Now, why is that important? Well, obviously, the World Cup's in Russia, and the opportunity to play a really good tournament against good quality opponents and to get the lay of the land in Russia is a huge advantage for teams when they're able to do that. And we didn't have that necessarily. Uh, we don't have that necessarily all the time. So that to the extent that you can secure that, that's why this Gold Cup is important to others and, and, and to the U.S. But it's not just going to be handed to you. You've got the likes of, obviously, Mexico, uh, Honduras, Costa Rica, uh, these types of teams, Panama, um, that are all going to be vying for it. Panama was in the final last time. The U.S. is... Uh, you know, coming into now a tournament situation, the first time we will see them in a true competitive situation since last uh, summer in the World Cup, and we'll see what Jurgen Klinsmann uh, does with this group. Uh, it's, it's interesting because we we expect our U.S. women's team to go to the final and to win the World Cup every single time, in the same way that we expect our U.S. men's team to go to the final of the Gold Cup and win the Gold Cup every time, and that's the expectation. It's completely legitimate. Uh, and it doesn't change this summer. So starting this Tuesday, uh, your U.S. team uh, you know, starts off against Honduras and then uh, where they play Haiti and then Panama, I think, in the group stage. I expect them to get through the group stage and to uh, get to the final. It's funny uh, people's thoughts about the U.S. team this year because it wasn't too long ago where everyone was kind of jumping off the bridge with them giving up uh, leads late in games, mind you, with third-string goalkeepers and backups, but I won't talk about that. Uh, and then they kind of <laughs> turn around, and they beat two top teams at, at their home grounds. How mm-hmm. should this U.S. team be feeling going into it? Do, do you, are you just feeding off those the, uh, big wins against Germany and the Netherlands, or do you take those other previous games with more backups into account? Yeah, I mean, in the same way that you don't don't get too low when the U.S. doesn't perform in a friendly, you also don't get too high when they perform incredibly in a friendly. Um, and I know that's hard to do sometimes, especially when you're coming up against good good opponents. Uh, 
you know, I think this is why this is such an important tournament for Jurgen Klinsmann and for the U.S. There's a real sense of it's a year later, and I always ask, I always ask the question, is the U.S. better than it was a year ago? Um, and we're going to find out in some ways with, uh, with the players that they have and the way that they go about their business. Is that to say that we shouldn't take pride and be happy when the U.S. goes out and in, in the span of a week be, beats uh, uh, the Netherlands and, uh, and Germany? No, absolutely. Put it in your cap. It's, it's, it's wonderful. These are wonderful moments, and, but they are only small building blocks, and they are as essential and can possibly be as beneficial as the ones that you lost and the games that you lost. And so you have to – it's really difficult, actually, from my perspective, to – to commentate and to talk about friendlies because there's so many nuances and there's so many variables that go on, not the least of which is the multiple substitution. And like you said, mm-hmm. different players in goal and different back lines. And so it's real hard to judge just from friendlies. So this is where I think it is appropriate. And I think that Jurgen Klinsmann and this team will be judged is in these tournaments. Well, I think you kind of, you kind of touched on it a little there. I mean, you can't put too much on uh, the friendlies because the players were in there, but I think there was a lot of shock when the roster came out to see some of the key contributors of the Netherlands and the uh, German game mm-hmm. left off the roster. Is uh, is just, just you know, Klinsman going to Klinsman? I mean, or does he have a master plan that we're just <laughs> not seeing? <laughs> oh, look, I mean, if, if, if he has a master plan, uh, none of us can see it. Um, but <laughs> I, I hope he does. I mean, this is about winning the World Cup. We all know it. And, and uh, um, this is, this, all this stuff leads to the opportunity to get to Russia to possibly win a World Cup. If we're not doing that, then what the hell are we doing? I mean, uh, and it's okay to say that. <laughs> I, 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 I cringe sometimes when people say, oh, you know, we'll take babies. No, we, we want to win the Men's World Cup, and that's what, that's what our entire goal and focus should be. Um, so, that, you know, that's a long way of saying there's also some realities to the situation uh, when it comes to players that were involved in those games that are starting with new clubs. You look at you know, Bobby Wood and these types of players, um, different players that are at different times in their vacation pattern when it comes to summer because obviously European uh, season and the MLS season don't always uh, marry up. Uh, so those, those are important. Um, you know, but I, I do think that he went about trying to get his best possible group. And keep in mind that he can also change that group after the group stage, which is another quirk of, of the, uh, the Gold Cup, which um, I guess it's beneficial but it also, once again, you get kind of a warped perception of what the group would be if they go through. And I'll be interested to see how many changes he does or if he makes any changes uh, going through. Because if I was a, a member of the team that went through the group stage and then I got sent home after the group stage, I'd be pissed. I mean, <laughs> it, would be, uh, it would be very strange to have that, that happen. But it's certainly a, uh, an option and it's at his disposal and we'll see if he, if he, uh, if he uses it. So you mentioned the, the kind of... Um different schedules, and th- this is more of like a general question, but, uh, you mm-hmm. know, with, with MLS in play, uh, a lot of teams are going to be affected. Um, the Red Bulls are going to have a few players gone, and um, with an injury we actually suffered last night in the Open Cup, we're going to have a, I don't think it's like maybe one f- qualified fullback on the roster for the next month. Um, do you, I, I'm try- I don't want to go about the whole um, European schedule, because I'm not, I personally don't think that would ever work in the U.S. because of weather, but is there something that MLS can do to kind of alleviate uh, some of the pressure the MLS teams face with these call-ups uh, going forward? Well, I mean, here's the, the big dilemma is what you say, well, you know, plan accordingly. You know what you're signing, and if the potential and the risk for those players to be out, 
uh, and that's going to be detrimental, then don't sign those players. Now, that's, that's a little flip. I understand that because we want quality in the league. And if we're going to bring quality into the league, the chances are they're going to be playing for their national team and so that they're going to miss time. And, yes, you can spread it out as much as you can. I mean, you hit, you hit the nail on the head when it comes to the, the realities and the economic realities of MLS if it were to change and line up with, with Europe. And I've been in those front offices, and, uh, and I've seen the difficulties uh, that those men and women go through day in and day out to try to sell the tickets just in normal weather. And now you put it in the middle of the winter uh, and in you know climate that's not conducive to watching sports, let alone a sport that we still have to say is still emerging. Yeah, it's, it's problematic for something like that. That's a long way of saying... Uh, this is not going to stop. It's still going to be a problem, and it's going to. And I think the the good coaches and the good teams work it out. But this is also where MLS is more forgiving than other leagues because you can go through a period where you lose players and you may lose games, and it's forgiving on the other side. So that 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 moment where a lot of people criticize MLS for having that structure. Uh, this actually works in favor for for a player or for a team or a coach like Bruce Arena, who understands he's going to lose players, but he's going to get through those dog days of summers and still have enough, uh, you know, ability and leeway to be able to figure out how to get into the playoffs. It works to, uh, and he can use that to his advantage and withstand it more so than if it was other leagues or different structures. Now, uh, you know, Jurgen Klinsmann just uh, stripped Quintempsi uh, of the captaincy armband and gave it to Michael Bradley. Uh, seems mm-hmm. by and large because of his open cup meltdown. Um, was should Michael Bradley perhaps been the captain the whole time? Do you think this is possibly one of the, the uh, best captains we're going to have in a while? Well, I mean, I think Michael Bradley is going to be involved and integral going forward much more so than Clint Dempsey, and maybe you know Michael has more time left than, uh, not maybe, I think Michael does have more time left than, than Clint Dempsey when it comes to the national team. Um, you know, the, the whole Clint Dempsey affair is, has been interesting in terms of how important is he to Jurgen Klinsmann. I think he made a point of saying that even though he was taking away the captaincy, uh, he, they want Clint to be, I don't know what words to use, but you know, free and free of spirit and mind or whatever and, and scoring goals, which is, which is all absolutely true. Um, but this U.S. team certainly can win without Clint Dempsey uh, going forward. And Michael Bradley, I think, is, is a good captain. I think there's a lot of people that have wanted to see him in that role. And I'm sure he, wanted, he himself wanted, wants that responsibility. I mean, look, they call him the general. And, and he certainly, <laughs> from an on-the-field standpoint, uh, controls a lot of what happens with the U.S. And when he's on, the U.S. is on. And, by the way, when he's off, they, they, uh, they struggle. So, Maybe this bolsters him even more, uh, not just the aesthetic of him wearing that armband, but how he plays internally and the responsibility, more responsibility that he, uh, that he takes. The whole Clint Dempsey affair, like I said, was, you know, I think Clint knows that he screwed up and he's going to get dinged here and, and he's got the, the MLS suspension that came uh, and then the, the U.S. suspension that was five games, actually, because he was going to serve that one game anyway, no matter what, for getting the red card. And I asked at the time, I still haven't seen exactly what the ruling was and what rule slash law he broke. Um, and if you're going to suspend somebody for that long, I think you should be able to tell us exactly what he did. Because, and this goes back to the question of whether it was a referee abuse or was it referee assault and, and the, uh, the games that are attached to that. But I digress. That's, uh, regardless, he's going to be there with the U.S., whether he's wearing the captain's, the captain's band or not. But Dempsey does his stuff on the field that we know, and it's it's uh, it's something that, that Jurgen Klinsmann is going to need at least in the in the near future. 
Uh, will you, Clint Dempsey be part of the team come uh, 2018 in Russia? Eh, remains to be seen. I don't, I don't think that's a, a sure thing either. How often have you wanted to take a referee's book and tear it in half? <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, but you, you know you're going to get dinged for doing this. I love the theater. It was almost performance art in the way that he did it. And, you know, in this day and age where everything's recorded, everything's taped, and, and uh, there's, a, there's evidence of everything, you knew that that was going to go viral and people were going to see that. And, you know, that's good in certain, you know, from a, from a, uh, a spectator point of view, it's great because we get to see it. And, and from a TV perspective, it's great because we get to talk about it. Uh, from a player perspective, it means you're much more accountable for your actions. And he knew the moment that it happened, he knew that it was going to not end well for him. And nor, nor, nor should it. You can't, you can't do that to a referee. Believe me, no. we've all wanted to do things. And, <laughs> and, and look, and, and referees, I think, will tell you, listen, you can call me every name in the book and scream and yell at me. I can deal with that. But if you grab my notebook and you do that kind of stuff, then, then there's a big problem. A lot of referees have really thick skin, and they're, they're cool about it. And they know you're frustrated at times and you scream and yell. So we'll just scream and yell, that's not a problem, but you can't grab the notebook. Because you might have, like, ladies' phone numbers in there. You might have doodles. You don't know what's going on in that book. Um, it's, it's, you know, it's... <laughs> It's a personal thing. It's a personal that's thing. Right. Everybody's got a little black book. I mean, that's his, <laughs> his or her little black book, and you don't mess with that. <laughs> no. Um, we, we do want to talk Red Bulls just a little bit, and yeah. you know, I know you're so far away, and it's hard to keep up with MLS, but they, these past few days have been absolutely huge. I mean, last week with the hype leave it, leading up to lighting up the Empire State Building, the whole deal, mm-hmm. how, how do you feel? Did this weekend really live up to the hype? Well, I watched the um, – uh, the game from Yankee Stadium um, uh, for a little, and then I left, and then the barrage happened, and so I went back and watched the highlights and everything. And you guys got to be feeling pretty good about not not just the result, but the way that that result came about. And I mean, it was a it was a raid of Manhattan basically, and you got the goods and you got back to the Jersey. And I know, believe me, I know there's lots of Red Bulls fans that are that are that, that live in the New York uh, area too, so I get that. But in this rivalry. Um, you know, I think it was I think it was wonderful to have happen, and I think it also shows the pressure that was put on Red Bull by NYCFC coming into market, and uh, and there was a real understanding that look, we've been here. I'm talking Red Bulls. We you know we have been here. We have owned this market, and we've been that team. And now this you know <laughs> this team is coming in and trying to take over our kingdom. No, 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 not so fast. And I'm sure it felt very good, not just for the three points, but uh, but obviously who it was against. And I thought it was a wonderful spectacle. It, lo- it looked really good. As much as uh, a soccer game in a, in a baseball stadium can look good, it looked good on television. It sounded good. And I know there's some distance issue. I, I heard the. Sasha question the other day, giving an interview talking about how, you know, it, it didn't really affect him on the field, which was a wonderful dig at uh, at the environment, and uh, <laughs> I loved it. Uh, I loved him what he said that. And then you go and take out the other uh, New York team too. So uh, a, uh, a a clean sweep, as they say. You got to be sitting pretty, and especially because when I left for the World Cup, you guys were sitting pretty. And then it was this, uh, you know, this month of problems, and NYCFC was on the ascendancy. And so to have it kind of finish up here at the end of this World Cup, uh, I mean, I, I guess the lesson is I should never leave the country. Uh, and and uh, so otherwise it causes problems for the Red Bulls. But it's great. It's great for both teams, to be quite honest. Uh, all three teams, actually, to have this type of rivalry in the metropolitan area, as we know. And, and uh, I look forward to, to more of them.
And it's funny because their little slide was in direct correlation with who I think is going to be a future national team star, and that is Matt Miazga. He's yeah. got it. Yeah. He's got it. Yep, absolutely. I mean, it was fun to see him, uh, you know, play so well, get the goal and the celebration and all, and all that kind of stuff. And, you know, here's a guy that has, has been brought along. He understands MLS. He understands the pace of the game. Uh, he's taking on more and more responsibility. And like you said, now there's a direct correlation to the team playing well and having him on the field. And those are the types of players that you want. I mean, you know, he's, look, he's not a Robbie Keane, but you know, when Robbie Keane's on the field for the Galaxy, more often than not, I'm not saying every single time, but more often than not, you know that good things happen, and the same is true for a guy like Matt Miazga. So. All right, uh, before we uh, wrap this up, uh, let's just get uh, two quick predictions. Uh, what, uh, what do you think the – how do you think the women are going to do on Sunday, and uh, how do you think the U.S. men will do in the Gold Cup? Well, if, if anybody's been watching my predictions, um, you know, they, they make great television, but uh, also they are the kiss of death for any type of team. Um, and, uh, look, I, I, you know, I am, uh, I am, uh, my job is to entertain and inform in, in what I do. Uh, and so now people are, are probably going to pay me to pick against the U.S. Um, because, like I said, it is the kiss of death when I pick your team, but it's not going to work. I mean, look, the U.S. should win this game, like I said, uh, and and I think that they are a better team than Japan. I think Japan isn't the team that they once were. Got to be really careful about this constant possession that Japan has and their belief and their um, the way that that machine that they have constructed, it's a beautiful machine the way that it works. There's no real huge stars um, and they just grind you down with possession and wait for that moment to pounce. And the U.S. has got to be patient and, and understand that, and I think they will. But, look, I always tell people, you know, if I was to take all of the money that you have and all of the money that potentially your, your kids or your future kids would have, and you could only put it on one team, which would you do it? And it's not when I make predictions, it's not about who I want to win or who my heart says was going to win. It's who I think is going to win. So, uh, yeah, you'd, you'd put it on the U.S. in this game right now. What was the other prediction? What was the other one? You gold wanted? Cup. Gold Cup, yeah. How do you think the men will oh, do with the Gold Cup? Gold Cup. Let's see. Well, we know that Chicharito is out for Mexico, and on the surface that would be a good thing. Uh, not that we'd like to see people get hurt, uh, and not that we'd like to see good players not involved, but from a competitive side. But the, the problem is is that Mexico, actually, I've, I've found the U.S. is much better at handling Mexico with Chicharito for some reason. He's much more predictable, and so... I don't necessarily think that that's a good thing if the U.S. comes up against uh, Mexico. But I'll still, uh, you know, like, oh, let's see, I'll predict a, uh, how about U.S. Uh, U.S. winning it all and not even have to worry about that other game. Yeah. But here's a little trick of the trade here. I, I, I go on all these shows and I just predict different people and different, uh, different <laughs> things to happen, and eventually I'm bound to be right, and I just point to the ones that I'm right. There you go. <laughs> uh, all right, I, ha- I have two more questions really quick because I, I, sure. I got a sure, tweet no from problem. a friend of mine. He- Speaking of predictions, this relates to it. He wants to know if you actually did chug a real can of Red Bull in 2008. He thinks you were faking it. I said you weren't. Oh, no, no, no. Not only that. So uh, and for those that, that, that don't know the story, um, I, had pre- I had said that I would chug a can of Red Bull on air if Red Bull made the MLS, made MLS Cup. And, and as you guys know, who know your history, uh, they did it. And... I was actually working with on ESPN with Julie Foudy at the time, and so we planned it all out, and we you know we staged it, and we just said, okay, here's what's going to happen, and it was all good. And uh, for those of you that drink Red Bull, you know that there's you know the the normal size Red Bull can. And so when it came time and the red light went on and we went live, Julie Foudy reaches down under the desk and actually pulls out 
the mega Red Bull um, <laughs> can. So, so I, yes, and it was full, and I chugged it, and I still have the can, actually. And for those that know me, um, I don't drink caffeine. Uh, I don't even know if there's caffeine in Red Bull. I've forgotten over the years what, what's actually in there. But whatever it is, it's times 10 of caffeine. So I was on fire after that. Uh, after that, Because I don't drink coffee. It has a really bad effect on me with the caffeine. It just makes me crazy and, and hyper, and it doesn't. It doesn't make me focus the way it does other people or, or, or alert. It just gets me going nuts. And so I was a mess after that. And I can attest to the fact that it was absolutely uh, real. It was, And not only was it a can of Red Bull, but it was one of the, the big cans of Red Bull. <laughs> Man. All right, so our last question before we wrap up. Who misses who more? Do you miss Taylor Twelman more, or does he miss you more? <laughs> Um, I think he probably misses me more. And that doesn't mean that I like him any less. Uh, but I think that, you know, he, he sees, look, he sees a World Cup, a work in a World Cup. He sees the things that are going on. And, I, you know, Taylor's doing a great job and, and will continue to do a good job. But, uh, you know, any type of, of, of value I have is because of the time um, that, I, you know, because I, I, I moved to Fox at the beginning of this year. And the value that I have is because of the opportunity and the platform and the people that I worked with at ESPN. And Taylor Twelman was absolutely wonderful to work with. And we had a really good um, on and off uh, camera uh, camaraderie and, and relationship. It was, it was great. And I wish him all of the best. We talk all the time anyway. But, um, you know, he, he's, he's really, really good for soccer and in particular good uh, for, for MLS which is, as you guys know, our, our, our true love and, and will always be. It's like Cosa Nostra, you know? Oh, yeah. I, I always find it. I, I love there was a moment. I don't remember what game it was, but you guys were debating a penalty. There's like a penalty kick. And I think you were on screen, and Taylor just kind of, we're, like, shoved himself into the camera and just gave you a look, and then he disappeared again. It was one of the funniest things. He just kind of popped his head in because he was he was disagreed with you, and then he vanished. Oh, I well, was up. well, you should, as as you know, watching Taylor Twelman for him to pop his head into frame. <laughs> I mean, that requires some really good camera work right there and plenty of room. So the fact it probably wasn't his whole head that got on because rarely were we able to see his entire head uh, on on our uh, on our screen. But I had a blast working with uh, with Adrian and, and Taylor and and uh, and doing the stuff that we did, and and, and I do miss that. Um, but obviously. You know things change, and I'm I'm really excited about the stuff that's going on with Fox, and I think we're we're living up to some of the standards that that ESPN has set, uh, and and I think in some ways we're we're going past it because people expect more, and and uh, I think we'll do we'll continue to do some uh, some very very cool things when it comes to televising soccer on Fox as as ESPN will too. All right, uh, unfortunately we're here out of time, so uh, thank you for coming on, especially for. Such a, a prolonged interview. We usually don't do things uh, this long with our guests, so thank you for taking this uh, amount of time out for us. Um, well, I'm, I'm sure I'm sure most of your listeners have tuned out uh, early on. So anyone that's actually uh, staying, if you're listening to the uh, the podcast right now, or whatever, I appreciate you uh, listening to my ramblings here, and, and I hope you're having a wonderful day. It's always a pleasure, guys. Uh, I will look forward to talking to you in what uh, two and a half years, let's say. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just just in time for the next Gold Cup. <laughs> perfect. Perfect. Um, so you can follow uh, Alexi online at Alexi Lawless. Uh, he is working with Fox Soccer covering uh, the Women's World Cup, the Gold Cup, and uh, MLS, and eventually the uh, the Men's World Cup when that comes around in 2018. Uh, Lexi, once again, thank you for taking time uh, to come on the show. Um, we'll take a break, and we'll be back with more Red Bull Rant right after this.
Welcome back to Red Bull Rant. Once again, I want to thank Alexi Lawless for coming on the show. Uh, that really was unusual for us to go that long, but you know, when well, you have sure. a guy like Alexi Lawless and Pat and Truman don't listen to me, yeah, that's right. We, well, we never listen to you, so. <laughs> well, you have to listen to respond to me, so I mean, you listen sometimes. Yeah, it would have been funny if Jay had just like cut off the interview, like, no, I, I said 25 minutes. I can't just do that. It would make no goddamn sense. We're going to just cut Alexi Lawless off as he's talking. Oh, by yeah, the that... way, thanks for coming on. Click. Click. <laughs> what are we, Mike Francesa now? Yeah. <laughs> yeah no, because no, Mike Francesa doesn't let it go 20 minutes. Not even five, actually. Uh, sure. Like, hey, Mike, you know the rating was, like, really high for the ones where like, yeah, Zach is never going to make it in this country. Never. You loser. Uh, does Jeter does Jeter play soccer? Then I, I don't care. Is it Derek Jeter? No, I'll take a nap. I, I wasn't uh, sleeping. I, mean, I wasn't sleeping. I heard everywhere there was a head. All right. Well, so the Red Bulls are not done yet. Uh, they have a match on Saturday. It will what? wrap up a yes. They have a match on Saturday. It will wrap up a six match, nineteen day stretch for the team. So, and then they they actually have like a week off. So that's you know, good. Uh, they will be traveling to Columbus, at least not a long trip, uh, for a July 4th match because why the fuck can't the Red Bulls play at home on July 4th? For Never. Ever, ever. They're getting closer. It's, it's probably, getting closer to home. It's probably, I mean, think about it. The trains are going to be packed with people going to watch the fireworks uh, on the water. It kind of makes sense. That's very true, actually. Very, very true. Stop talking logically, Pat. Well, you That's not your third job. That's my job. If it was just you talking on this entire show, like, dude, would this be the tinfoil podcast? I said logically. Yeah, Stop I'm the logically. logical one. <laughs> except, the, except for the Open Cup. Maybe there I'm the illogical one. I don't know. <laughs> anyway, the, uh, the match is 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time on MSG and MLS Live. Are, are we and, sure it's on MSG? Are they not going to fucking change it last minute so I can't watch you know it? What? Are we God sure? damn it. You just reminded me of something I meant to talk about in the first segment. God damn it. Well, I'm talking about it now. All right. Let me do my first. If MSG is going to be there and do a game, regardless of what channel it's on, because I know that's where Truman's going with this, but if MSG is going to be there and broadcast game, why the fuck can't you just use that feed for the, uh, the YouTube stream? Why do you have to pay? And don't get me wrong. The guys that did the YouTube stream were good. But why the fuck are you paying for a second team and a second set of cameras to be there to film this game. Why not just ask MSG, hey, can we tap your feed? I'm sure they wouldn't mind. No, it's owned by Jim Stolen. He'd be like, a million dollars! You can have my feed for a million dollars. Yeah, probably. I I I can't complain. I got shit messing his team. I have to complain because I didn't get to watch the game because they changed it the last minute. They put it on Uh, a channel that not everyone gets. End rant. Move on. All right, so anyway. So Columbus... Predictions, Columbus. Uh, Pat, you can go first. What do you think is going to happen on Saturday? Uh, well, how do the Red Bulls always do on July 4th weekend? They Not always well. lose. <laughs> so, I, I, you know, it's, look, they had an emotionally draining uh, week. Uh, you know, they, they're, they're very tired, although I, I, you got to give credit for Jesse March for man- managing this team, getting some key players last, like BWP, Felipe Martins, um, you know, uh, you would say Kamar Lawrence and, Miller, but they were uh, with their national teams already. Uh, you know, we've seen a lot of the young guys. So, I mean, whatever they play, I think they will be competitive. I mean, that has been a hallmark of this team all season, no matter what the result is, that they are competitive. Um, 
but I, I don't see a win happening. Columbus is playing very well right now. Uh, you know, there are a couple games ahead of us. Um, so, I, I mean, yeah, you know, it, look, I mean, this is cap up. Like it really could go either way. The team could be drained and they'll lay an egg or they can be riding on a high and come out swinging. I mean, they played really well in Columbus earlier this season, uh, coming away with a 2-1 win. Um, but, yeah, I can't see them winning this one, um, but they'll keep it close. I'm going to go with a 2-1 loss uh, this weekend. Uh, quick note, Columbus Crew is in sixth place. We are in fourth place. Uh, with We've played one less game than them. Uh, they have they're five, six, and six. We're six, five, and five. That being said, I don't know. People talk about how we never really do that well in Columbus. I don't remember those games. I just remember the games we do well. And I think they can get a result. Why not pull out the old 1-1 again? I mean, it didn't work this uh, last game, which doesn't count anymore. So it's like it never happened. Uh, so why not go with a 1-1 draw? I, I, I'm hoping they're just going, like you said, Feeding off the energy of the past couple results, uh, the central defense is going to really have to play their ass off. <laughs> um, but I mean, I, I can see him getting a result. Again, Columbus, not the scariest place to play. Come on. I mean, aside from being in Ohio, not a scary stadium. So why not? Let's, let's keep the high times going. They always do well when Matt Miazga is in the lineup. So yeah, I'll say 1-1. Well, we're not Mexico, so we know we're not going to lose. I mean, that's just a given, right? <laughs> that's true. Um, I, I think there will be a little bit of a letdown. I don't think it will be too bad. But I think it's mostly because you'll see um, a side that features a, more of a split squad because uh, we did have 8 of 11 starters in that game against the Cosmos, if you count uh, Aban as a regular starter now. And two guys that didn't play... Um, Felipe, or two guys didn't start. Felipe and Grella did come on and play a little bit. So, um, I can't imagine Jesse Marsh keeping a bunch of those guys on the field. Like Dax has been running like ninety minutes. I don't know how he's doing it. I, really I, I, I seriously, I don't. I mean, they have to have some sort of fitness level going on that's just like out of this world for them. But Dax has run so much and has a history of injuries. I don't know how he's still standing oh, no. at this moment. And then you got like. Uh, Clustering running like a good 60 to 70 minutes per game. Um, granted, Zizzo and um, Grell have been splitting duty. Sam finally got back from an injury, so he should probably be good. So, I mean, that might be better than than expected. Um, I was originally going to say a one one a one nothing loss, but I actually talked myself out of that just now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think they're going to win though. I, I think. They'll do a good job of holding Columbus to a goal. Um, I think they'll get a goal themselves. So I'm going to go with a 1-1 draw. I think it's just Columbus didn't play a lot of their starters. Uh, we did, and we're saying we'll, so we'll have something of a split squad, and but we'll still be strong enough to to hopeful, at least hopefully stop um, Kai Kamara from continuing his leading scoring streak because if, if he gets some goals on us, then we're dead. So... Well, how many days off they have? Just it's just a week off, right? So no, they play t- they play Tuesday in the Open Cup. No, no, I'm talking about from Columbus to the next game. They have oh yeah, they can have exactly a, a week, week off, so they'll finally be on the regular rest. So I don't know. I mean, maybe maybe Jesse tells them, look, give me give me all you can, and let's just work work you know work with that. I, I honestly, like we don't honestly, know what they have left. Honestly, I'd rather him 
say, listen, you guys done a great job. Just let's count this game as a throwaway because we have July coming up, and and after that we have, you know, a busy August, and we don't need one game to make the playoffs, especially from our current position. So let's treat this one as a learning experience. If if I would honestly be okay with that right now. You know, you know what coach has said that none ever. <laughs> but, None but you ever has ever said that. I, I, I get that. I know he's not going to say that in the locker room, but you understand where I'm coming from, like with the mentality. It's like for sure, but we, he's going to have these guys play. No, of course he's going to he's going to get the guys pumped up, ready to play. I'm just saying, like if the, if they treat it as a throwaway game where they put in some players who haven't had MLS minutes to get a minutes, I'm perfectly fine with it because actually that just builds depth. That's that's what it does. Yeah. So all right, let's move on to. Truman's terrible team of the week. Well, well, well. There's a couple teams to pick from, and they're actually both coming from the Open Cup. Uh, Kansas City, they they kind of whooped down on uh, Dallas. Six to two. And we sure, we can make fun of Dallas. We've done it before. But come on. You, you all know who I want to make fun of, right? Who better to make fun of than DC United in the <laughs> Open Cup against the Filth? Where they got Philly got a guy sent off, they score a goal, and then they give up two second hole, half goals and lose when they're up a man. And I find that ha 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 hilarious. So anytime I can use an excuse to have DC as a terrible team of the week, I'm going to use it. So DC, ha 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 ha, you're out of the cup, and we're still in it. Right. Ha 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 ha. And don't worry, Philly, you're next. Uh, yeah. Um, so normally we do our, our moment, right moment. we're going to save that for the very end of the show because it's a little bit longer. Um, so is there anything else we want to talk about before we get out of here? Real quick, I'm just going to make this statement. Is Jesse Marsh taking the Open Cup seriously for everybody? All right? <laughs> Shut up. Move on. <laughs> I, I was pretty sure they were taking it seriously after they won the right to host because of the somewhat convoluted method where you actually, where you still have to apply to host and then they applied to host both of the, uh, round of the 16 and quarterfinals. I think that proved that they did. So, Oh, don't worry. Someone have an excuse why they're still not taking it serious. Despite oh, I know. A ton I know. of starters, you know, don't I, worry. I, I, come on. If the game gets RBO. moved to the ICC, there's your, there's your excuse. Yeah. RBO. RBO. Cause it's not like you, United States soccer isn't in the cut of the ICC. Yeah. Uh, NYCFC fans who jump shit this year, um, we'll welcome you back. It's cool. You, know, <laughs> you got a year grace period to come to your senses. It's cool. Come on back home. As long as you didn't burn the bridge. New York is red. As long as you didn't burn the bridge, because there are some that have, I think. <laughs> oh, and, and let me just say this, since he brought it up. If you're going to try to respond to trollish tweets on Twitter, have some better excuses then no cups 20 years and uh, attendance and all this other crap that you don't have anything on. Right. Right. <laughs> exactly. You In other words, NYCFC you. fans, wait until you fucking win a game before you start talking. <laughs> right. Hey, dummies, we have won a trophy and you've barely existed. Yeah. There, there, was, there, was a guy, there was a guy on Twitter last night who, who tried to say that a supporter shield didn't count despite the fact that it is recognized by the league and U.S. soccer of and course. the league spot is given for winning the title. That's always the excuse until they win it. Of course. 
All right. Let's wrap this one up. You can visit us at onceometro.com slash red hyphen bull hyphen rant. Uh, help us make the show better by donating to the show at patreon.com slash red bull rant. You can email us during the week at redbullrant at gmail.com. You can call us at 973-348-5329. Facebook.com slash redbullrant. On Twitter at redbullrant for the show. At Dr. Stooch for myself. At PMAC DA2 for Pat. At the Truman for Truman. Subscribe to our show via iTunes, Stitcher Radio, or at SoundCloud.com slash red hyphen bull hyphen rant. Last words before we get out of here. Yes. Uh, Felipe, when we met him on the train, which we did, uh, he had a very specific message uh, to give all listeners, and that is win. Yeah. Prove me wrong. Win on July 4th. All right. Um, so our, our moment, which will play uh, right after we're, we're out of here, is kind of a super moment from a few appearances from Jimmy Conrad over the years. So, oh Jimmy, yeah, we, Jimmy, we had Jimmy. some good. We had some good moments. They were too good to exclude, so we had to make it a super moment. Um, but on that note, for Pat Truman and myself, this has been episode number one hundred and forty-nine. I can't believe we're at one forty-nine. Yeah, episode number one hundred and forty-nine of the Red Bull Rant. Thank you guys for tuning in, and as always, go Red Bulls. Go America. Win. Late. You know, like, for instance, my last contract with Chivas, um, I got, if, if the team ended up winning 20 games, excuse me, not 20 games, because I've never had with Chivas, 10 games, and I started in those 10 games, I was going to get an extra 20 grand. So I was going to get a two, but I had to, we had to win 10 games and I had to start in those games to get an extra 20 grand. But that's just for me individually. And that was a pretty cool bonus. And I took a lower base to have that incentive in there. But it would be better if everybody would got a piece of that pie and we could look at somebody like, where are we going tonight after we win with our, you know, with our extra cheddar, what strip club are we hitting or whatever? Not that I would do that. I'm going to say I raised my hand. I never did that. Never. That never happened. No, it doesn't happen. So, so Jimmy, this weekend, if you you may or may not know, it's Survivor Series. Now, you have to create a five-man team of U.S. men's national team players to take on the dastardly international team. What five guys are you taking? Current or all time? Uh, oh, 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 oh. all right. Let's just go current. Let's take the current. Current, okay. Um, uh, the wait, wait. They're goalkeepers, right? One of the five has to be a goalkeeper. Like, there's goals. Sure, why not? Well, it's it's really a flat okay. out brawl, but you know. Oh, okay. Oh, we were talking a fight. Okay, I thought you were talking about a fight fight game. We're we're rumbling. Uh, got it. Michael Bradley. Um, uh, is Oguchi Anye was still involved in the pool? I would take sure, him. I would take him in a heartbeat. Yes, uh, Jada Merritt would definitely be coming if he was still in the pool. Um, he might be on the outer cusp of that pool. Um, God, current guys. Michael Bradley for sure. Jermaine Jones, obviously. He probably had a cracked, uh, you know, bottle glass or something, so he'd have something tricky up his sleeve. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it's your enforcers. You gotta have your enforcers that are involved. Um, and I feel like Demarcus Beasley would be helpful in some way. He's just slippery, you know? <laughs> so, so, those are my guys. I think Tim Howard would probably be a good one. He'd be a little crazy. Uh, I'll, I'll leave Demerit out because he, uh, he's not really involved anymore. Gooch is still involved, so Gooch. Michael Bradley would be tough, and he'd be the guy organizing everything. Jermaine Jones would be a little crazy. And then Bees, like if we're playing capture the flag, Bees would be the guy to get the flag and come back, you know? <laughs> He's a jitterbug.